Somebody shout forward. forward. And read the scripture, Exodus 14, 15. Tell the people to go forward. Say it again. Tell the people to go forward. I believe that that statement rings through the generations, through the centuries. It rings, and we should be listening as God says, stop getting stuck at places I've told you to overcome. Tell the people to go forward. And as a pastoral leader, and, and I've, I've, I have been in this situation with Moses uh, where I've cried out, God, what am I supposed to do? Everything's so fluid and so difficult. And he just keeps telling me this. He brought me to the scripture uh, some time ago and said, tell the people to go forward. So here I am. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, go forward. That's what I'm saying. Go forward. Go forward. You're hearing me. Now, if we go forward, that means that we will become unstoppable. Somebody shouted, unstoppable. Unstoppable. And that's where I'm going to hang my hat today. I want to preach to you from the thought, being an unstoppable church, being unstoppable people, unstoppable. That's the message today, unstoppable and looking into the word of God in Matthew 16 and verse 18. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. If you read all of it, he's he's speaking to Peter. That's the context. I know the, the context. He's speaking to Peter who has declared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and really, he is, he is Simon, but Jesus changed his name. No, I'm calling you Rock now. I'm going to call you Petros. I'm going to call you Rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys. Here's the keys. You know you're at home when somebody gives you the keys. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. So you come in and out. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound on, in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So you have access to the kingdom of God. This is a powerful scripture, and I've always been moved by these words, upon this rock I will build my church. I've sang it for years. There's so many songs with those songs, with those lyrics. I have preached this scripture on numerous occasions. I mean, it's powerful. The context of where they are at this particular place is very engaging. They're at Caesarea Philippi. Uh, they're They're at a place that is known as the gates of hell. It is a place where good Jewish people didn't always go. There's such brokenness at Caesarea Philippi. There's such paganism that's there. They actually believed that there were demons that would come and go from, from, from hell uh, up on the earth. And there was worship. There's pa- paganism. I, Diane and I, many years ago, were at Caesarea Philippi. And, and that, that context was powerful at that place where you could see the paganism literally uh, in, in, in the uh, architecture and things that were in that space. And it moved me deeply, very deeply, that these words were spoken at that place, standing at the place of hell. And Jesus saying, upon this rock, I will build my church. But it was not just that he would build the church. Don't stop there. The gates of hell will not prevail. Yes, hell is busy. Speaking of that, I was watching a football game this past week. On Monday, broke my heart a little bit. Any any people that root for Alabama in the house? Yeah, I thought there was some back over in this section of the room. So, it was the national championship between Ohio State and Alabama, and I had my hopes up because Ohio State had so uh, beat Clemson, and uh, they were not picked to beat Clemson. Clemson had said all kinds of crazy things about them, and their coach, the coach of Clemson, a good Christian gentleman, uh, let his mouth get ahead of the game. And began to say they didn't. Even, they don't even deserve to be here. They shouldn't have been ranked, but they got beat by them. So, uh, Ohio State. Actually, since I'm talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes, it's because I was raised in Ohio. All right, not far. Hallelujah. Okay. So uh, I was not far, just down the road from Columbus, Ohio. And one of the things that we did every Saturday was we stopped during football season. We stopped. There wasn't. You didn't schedule anything else because we were going to watch the Buckeyes play. Uh, those days, I got another go Buckeyes. Okay, and. Woody Hayes was the coach in those days. I don't know if you know the great stories of Woody Hayes, but I just kind of got, you know, I love them. But I know the thing about college football. I know some things about it is you get those young men excited about winning a football game. They will do crazy stuff. And I, I was hopeful about Ohio State beating Alabama. In fact, Brandon was throwing it up to me after church last week and 
hurt my feelings a little bit. And I, I did, we didn't have much smack talk going back, okay? We don't. We're brothers, right? Okay, so uh, I've, known, I've, I've known them for so long. Married them 100 years ago. How many years have you been married now? They're having to think about it. Question, what's that? 13 years. I married you 13 years ago. Yeah. And serving the Lord and loving Jesus, raising their kids to know Jesus Christ. But the one thing that, you know, in spite of the fact that he's an Alabama fan, I did do the wedding. And uh, so as I was watching this game prepare, one of the things that I knew, and most people knew, is that Alabama was a pretty great football team. And so uh, I knew that, and I was hopeful because Ohio State, uh, their offense had showed up so well, and their defense had showed up pretty well against Clemson. Some of you don't even care about what I'm saying right now, but just hang with me for a moment, all right? I'm trying to process some of this for myself. But as the game progressed, it became more and more obvious that Ohio State's defense was not going to be able to contain Alabama's offense. It was almost every possession that Alabama got the ball that they went down the field and scored. And Ohio State would answer. And there was a time when the game was close, but you got to keep making that stand. And the problem was, here's the problem, is Alabama's offense was just too strong for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And you might say, you can't say that. No, I may be a Buckeyes fan, but I'm also a football fan, and I followed football, played football in high school, so I know a little bit about the game, and you can see. And you knew that when the Heisman Trophy winner, who was a receiver for, uh, for Alabama, so like he just stick his hand up in the air, and it was like, da-da, and the ball would just hand, it would just show up, you know, and... And, and then there's something else that happened too. Ohio State, on the first play of the game, they have this great running back. His last name is Sermon. What a great name, Sermon. But his sermon got, the sermon got tossed out because he got hurt at the very beginning of the game, hurt his shoulder, and he wasn't able to come back. So the word was gone. Anyway, uh, but, but here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear this. I, I want you to hear me very clearly. The reason Ohio State did not win the NCAA championship was because Alabama's offense was too strong. And as I was watching the game, I wasn't even angry. I wasn't even irritated. I wasn't screaming, what's up with you guys? I wasn't. I wasn't. I was impressed. Brandon, you appreciate this? I was impressed with the offense. And it became more and more obvious that offense is important. You really got to know how to get the ball in the end zone, and you have to be able to do that really, really well. And while I was watching this, the Holy Spirit whispered something into my heart. Where is the offense of my church? When did we become so easily deterred? What happened? Here's something. I, I like swagger. Anybody like swagger? There have been times in my life when I felt like I kind of lost my swagger. And I'm not saying false confidence. I'm saying when you know who you are and you can walk in. You know, I hope I have a little swag when I walk up here to preach to you. I hope I walk up here and you don't look at me and say, who is that boy up there trying to talk about Jesus? I, I should have a little bit of swag. In fact, I'll say this to you as well. As the church of the living God, you ought to have a certain amount of swagger about you when you walk into a room. You ought to walk in with the presence of God, not hoping he might show up. You should walk in with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you move and as you speak, the Holy Spirit, you should say, well, I hope Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit should not only walk with you, but he should be inside of you. And because we are the church of the living God, we ought to be moving in the power of the Holy Spirit so much that everything that the enemy has been using to come against us should be broken by the name of Jesus. I'll get on with that. I like this. I mean, in, in Matthew 16, 18, in the message version, read it this way. I really like this translation uh, here. Here's the way Eugene Peterson in his translation of the message, he says, this is the rock on which I will put together my church. I believe the church ought to get put together. And then he says, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete 
and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. Well, I don't even have to say, I don't even have to expound on that, right? You know you're at home when you got the keys. You know you have access when you have the keys. But then he's talking about the things that we say. The things we say yes to, heaven says yes to. The things we say no to, heaven says no to. I mean, this message is powerful. And I, and I opened this up talking to you about going forward. And the, the first move of Israel out of Egypt across the Red Sea... And then as they cross the Red Sea, this miracle of crossing the Red Sea, that's powerful. Isn't it? I, love, I love the teaching that I've given you the last couple of weeks. The, the Israelites were up to their neck in water before the waters parted. Okay? You might say, Pastor, I'm up to my neck. Keep walking. Anybody receive that? Keep moving forward. Don't let... The water stop you. So the Bible says more about this, which I want to share with you in these difficult days. One of the things that we find out in scripture is that we need to be unstoppable in tough times. You can write that down. We should be unstoppable in tough times. And we see this in the journey. And I want to spend too much time here, but if you remember, when Israel got stopped at the sea, and then they went through on dry ground, and they got to the other side, and then Pharaoh's army was unleashed, and they came after them, they thought, well, they're going to go through on dry ground. Well, we'll go through on dry ground as well. No, that dry ground was prepared for God and God's people, right? So as they get into the middle of the water, they are crushed by the water that is released. And then all the people began to sing a great worship song. You know it was the first great worship chorus, and you see it right here. It actually rhymes. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. I, I will... That's my version of it anyway, all right? You can almost hear it. I mean, you can hear the, and everybody singing and dancing and all Israel, they're seeing the chariots float down the river and they're saying, I will sing to the Lord. Yeah, I will sing to the Lord. People are dancing, singing, shouting, thought they were going to die. Now they know they're alive and they have seen the power of the hand of God. How many have ever seen the hand of God move? How many have ever crossed over when they said you couldn't cross over? How many have ever had all the odds stacked against you? You weren't big enough. You weren't strong enough. You, but God somehow opened, made a way where there seemed not to be a way. Have I got any testimonies like that? Were you like Israel too? I mean, not only did you hear a great song, but like Miriam, she started dancing. She got herself together a women's choir. We need one of those. They all had tambourines and started dancing. And you know, you get the sisters dancing and singing. It's going to happen. Am I right? Can I get a sister's amen right now? Amen. amen. The, when the sisters get dancing and they got dancing and Miriam started prophesying and they're playing tambourines and singing, well, I will sing to the Lord. And they're shaking their tambourines and dancing. They probably had some great, you know, if Daisha was here, she'd be doing some moves or something, you know, some, some great dances going on. Her and Sydney, they need to come back and sing and dance again sometime soon. But, but they probably had some dance moves going on. It was just all tore up. Everybody's praising God, shouting hallelujah. Take that, Egypt. Take that, slavery. But just because you've had God deliver you one time, you don't need to forget the song when you get to bitter waters. Because they got thirsty three days later. They walked three days into the desert. I'm not picking on them because I've been there. I got bitter about things. And this is really very metaphorical here, isn't it? Because they get to a place where they, they, hey, there's water over there. They see a few palm trees. Get over to where some water is. And they get to the water and somebody sticks their face right down into it and sucks some water in their mouth. And then they start coughing and spitting and get all sick because the water is bitter. It's bitter. 
And they start complaining against Moses. Moses, why did you bring us out into the wilderness just so we would die of thirst? Weren't you just singing about how God had parted waters to get you here? Weren't you like, you know, had your worship team together and everybody was singing in sync, but now you get a little bitterness or maybe a mouthful of bitterness, maybe a lot of bitterness. How many have ever had to drink something that was bitter before? Have you ever done that? Maybe some of you have still got some of that taste in your mouth where you had a problem, you had a struggle in your life. Maybe somebody hurt you like me. Maybe you were, you were wounded as a child. You got some old heart wounds that you've had to deal with. What I'm saying is, as in those particular times, you've got to keep singing about what God did to you for you in the past or you'll end up getting stuck at bitter waters. Moses didn't jump all over them. He just said, Lord, what am I going to do? He said, they need to be healed of their bitterness. I want you to go over there. I'm going to show you the right tree to throw into the water. When that's thrown into the water, they will, then they will have sweet water to drink. So he found a sweet tree, threw it in the bitter water. Somebody thank God for the cross of Jesus right now. Somebody thank God. Come on, somebody praise God for the cross. You understand, if you'll look back in the Old Testament, you will see a crimson thread all the way through it. Because sometimes we get bitter and we take our eyes off of the cross of the Lord Jesus. And remember that he has come to heal you no matter what the depth of your wound might be. You're not going to live in that. He's got a tree for what hurts you. So they get through it and they're happy again. Then they get a little further down. I won't, I won't linger here, but they get further down the road and they... Realize they're running out of flour and they say, we need, hey, did you bring us all the way out to Mount Sinai in order for us to die of hunger? Wish we would have died in Egypt. At least we would have had some food to eat. There's nothing like starving. Thanks a lot, Moses. And again, they're back. We keep retracting, don't we? We keep falling back. How many have fallen back three or four, 25 or 100 times? Anybody where you started thinking like you used to think? Anybody know about stinking thinking? Anybody know about that where you start thinking the same way even though God got you through it? How many know if he did it before, he'll do it again? And you know this story is the story of manna. The Lord said, you know, basically, I hear this. Here's my translation. The Lord, God speaks to Moses and says, Just, Moses, I'm going to send them bread. I'm going to send them bread. And here's the way you're supposed to eat bread. How many have had God send you bread before? A word from heaven in the right time. Anybody? But let's get a little more practical. How many wondered where your next food, uh, your next groceries were coming from and God somehow provided? Anybody been there before? I have been in places where I didn't know where it was going to come from. I was been, as the pastor of this church, one of my favorite stories, shortly after I assumed the pastor, there was no money in the bank. We couldn't pay the mortgage. And if we didn't have it by the weekend, they would start foreclosure procedures. That was a long time ago. But I still remember sitting in an office with some brothers and holding hands and praying, saying, God, you're going to have to do something. We decided we're just going to trust God for the man of that day. We walked out. I didn't even tell them what the need was. And somebody who was new to the church wrote a check for exactly the amount of money that we needed and dropped it in the offering basket. Since those days, I've been, I've had some lean days, but I've never seen a day that God wouldn't provide for me. Jesus. Praise God. So, it's so quick, you know. It's so quick they stop singing praise and start singing the blues. I think the blues is pretty good sometimes, but I, I mean, you can almost hear them singing, I wish we died in Egypt, where there was lots of parts of me, we ain't got no bread, we're gonna be dead, I got the walking in the wilderness blues. I apologize for that, but it just flowed. I didn't write it down. It just, can I? Don't mess with me. I will sing the blues, and it won't even be that good. Then, so they, they get bread. So they're eating bread from heaven, set free from the bitter water, and finally they at Mount Sinai, and Moses says, I'm going to go up and talk to the Lord. He's going to give me all of the format, all of the law that we need in order to start a nation. Well, he's going to go up and talk to Moses. 
He's going to write the whole government for Israel. Everything. All the laws. Just him and God. Wouldn't that be good? (laughs) Come on, Jesus. Help us. But before he could get down, they got impatient and they made themselves a golden calf. And began to make up new songs. I mean, they had all kinds of songs going on. Dancing around, the golden calf. They really, I mean, if you look at it, they probably made the golden calf. Because the golden calf for them was the God that had led them out. They had decided that it wasn't Yahweh. That it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't the one true and living God. They made another God. And they began to practice the paganism that they had experienced in Egypt. And as they practiced that paganism, Joshua, who was standing up on the mountain just outside of the cloud... He heard the sound of a riot at the bottom of the hill. He heard it, and it wasn't a godly sound. And so Moses and then come down, and they had to make a stand. And it was a strong stand. They made the stand in Exodus 32. And uh, we, we see that there was the noise of defeat in verse 17 and 18. So again, I want to ask, what happened? Where, where's your tambourine? What happened to your tambourine? What happened to your first song? Anybody saved in this room? What happened to the first song? Church, we cannot allow circumstances to steal that first victory that God gave to us. I know you get bitter. I know you get tired and weary. And you wonder how long it will be until Jesus comes back. I know these things happen, but we can't let riots and racism and sickness and disease stop us from being the church of the living God. I know you're angry. I know you're confused. But difficult times are times when the church rises and we go back and grab that old song and we sing it again. It's difficult. It's bitter. There's riots. There's trouble. Go ahead. Sing your song. I'm so glad that he saved me. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Somebody sing and rejoice in the Lord. Keep moving. Keep singing. Keep shouting because you have to stay powerful. Your complaints will destroy your offense. Your fear will rob you of being offensive. You're saying, why can't we score as a church? Because you stopped moving forward. Because you started doubting that God is still God. Does anybody still serve the God of Israel? Of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Anybody still serve him? How many believe he still provides? Anybody believe that he is still Jehovah Jireh? Anybody believe he's still Jehovah Rapha? Anybody believe he's still the God that he heals us? Jesus. So I don't want us to have an offense. I want us to have a powerful offense. In fact, I believe we need to have a powerful offense. And I'm calling you to have a powerful offense. Luke chapter 10, we see how this powerful offense begins to move. Jesus... This is early in his ministry. This is so cool. And these these specs are so good. Early in his ministry, not 12 apostles. He has 70 70 individuals. Don't know their names, but he finds 70. He appointed 70 and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So Jesus isn't there. So he's sending an entourage before him. 70 individuals. And he says to them, read this with me. Can you see it? Read it with me. The harvest is truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Wow. I know. I get the harvest part. I remember when Diana's dad was living with for a while. He's in heaven now. But anybody remember Diana's daddy lived here? Paul Davis, what a great, mighty man of God. But we would drive down the road, and he was always, because he's, he's a farm boy, okay? He grew up eating what he grew, you know, what he raised. 
And we, we'll drive down the road, and he'll see some corn, and he'd look over at Diane and I, and he'd go, well, look at that corn. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's ready to be harvested. That's ready. And he'd point it, you know, like there's tassels and things that are on the corn, and certain things happen, it's ready to be harvested. Okay. That's, I'm glad you see that. Glad you see that. Oh, look at that soybean. That soybean's looking really good. Who eats soybean? Is that where you get soy sauce? I mean, what? He knew, he knew what was in the field. He knew everything about it. He knew when it was ready to harvest. He knew when certain crops were about to turn to seed. Why are they letting that die right there? It's dying on the, on the vines. It's dying right there. He had that understanding. Well, Jesus has an understanding too. There's some things that you're not seeing. And he told these guys, he said, the harvest is ready. It's ready to be harvested. We don't have a harvest problem. We've got a labor problem. In other words, the offense is not powerful enough. It's not. It's too stoppable. It's too easily deterred. Well, they won't like me. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. What if, what if they don't believe the way I do? Maybe, I sh- maybe we should talk about Jesus a little quieter in the restaurant in case other people think that we are kind of anti them. Listen, you need to understand God's word is true and the harvest is plentiful. We just got a labor problem. And if the labor would get a hold of the name of Jesus. Jesus. He said this. These guys are like sheep going out among wolves. That doesn't sound safe to me. Sheep among wolves. He said but they're like sheep going among wolves. In other words, there are people that are going to want to devour you. But I'm the one that sent you. You may be lambs, but you're my lambs. And I'm the good shepherd, and I know how to take care of my sheep. Man, if I was sitting out there, I would point at me right now and say, Preach, Pastor Rick. Go ahead. But... So thanks. It's unsafe. But then they come back, and here's what they said. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the de- demons are subject to us in your name. Stop. Why are they saying that? Because they went out as lambs among wolves, and they were attacked. That's why they're saying that. We were attacked. And he said, he said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. We were attacked, but we said in the name of Jesus, you have no authority over us. And the demons fled. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus explained. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, I was there when we kicked Satan out. I know where all the power is. And I'm giving you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. And some of you say, what are we supposed to be walking on scorpions and snakes? That's not what he's saying. What he's explaining here is what you would say if you said something like this. Now, pardon, pardon this. And, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. But has, have you ever felt like kicking somebody's butt? Okay, one person raised their hand. Okay. Okay, I'm going to raise both mine. Okay, so... Now, that didn't mean that you were actually going to go and find their backside and apply your foot to it. It meant anything that it took in order to change the situation and let somebody know where they are. That's what Jesus is saying right here. When he's talking about scorpions and serpents, what he's saying is that you're going to do whatever has to be done. In my name, the enemy will have to lose his power and it is not going to hurt you. That Somebody say, in the name of Jesus. Would you say that? Come on, shout, in the name of Jesus. This is spiritual warfare, and you, come on, you desperately need the name of Jesus. You need him. You need the power of the Lord Jesus in your life. You need to know that you know Jesus and use his name. There is no other name by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus. Do you hear me? I said no other name. I actually heard a guy pray this way the other day as he was finishing up his prayer. Some of you know what I'm saying. 
He closed his prayer this way. In the name of the monotheistic God. Brahma. That's the Hindu. And God known by many different, many names by many different faiths. That's exactly what he said. That's a quote. That's what he said. Uh, Can I tell you, sir, that there is only one name by which man can be saved? I said, somebody shout only one. Somebody shout only one. So don't play this game of there are many ways to get into eternal eternity with heaven. Don't play that with this preacher, okay? Don't say you can be Hindu or you can be Buddhist. You know, I walk down the mall on occasion. I got that one tattoo place and they got Buddha sitting up there like that. And I'm saying there is no way I would walk in that door and put money in this particular business with a big old Buddha out front. I'm not going to... Am I getting a little crazy right now? I, I, I'm not that guy. I, I do not believe that you can be Hindu and Christian at the same time. Is that okay? Because I'm not taking a vote. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Am I preaching too much? Somebody say, go ahead, Pastor. You see, what happens is when you start allowing other gods to become your idols, then what happens is you lose your offense. The Lord says, okay, if you want God, go ahead and you can just let Satan be your offense. But Satan is defeated. Somebody shout amen. I said he's totally and completely defeated. Some of you may not believe like I believe. So I'm going to help you with this truth really quick. I'm going to help you with this truth. Okay, so so I am victorious because of Jesus Christ. I am saved by Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with me. So Satan Satan lost his authority at the cross of Jesus. He made a show of him openly. And so in the name of Jesus, I come against the enemy. In the name of Jesus, I come against every demon, every devil of hell that might be confusing you or causing you trouble. In the name of Jesus, the crucified and risen one, I come against Satan and his... I'm a little irritated right now, so don't play with me. I feel a little offensive. Anybody ever feel offensive? I just want to slap somebody. Like the devil. Anybody ever want to do that? Man, I have been so attacked. It's like every front. I have found him come against me in these past, uh, these several months. But in the past couple of months, I mean, just having to make a stand. Just crying out to God. God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. How many have ever had that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, he'll bring anxiety and make you feel. There's the spirit right now. There's a spirit of death that's just settled on so many people. Come on. You will live and not die. So don't be saying that, Pastor Rick. I'm telling you, you're already resurrected. They can't kill you because you've already been resurrected when you gave your life over to Jesus. Come against that spirit of death and going to bed and feeling like you're going to die in the middle of the night. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Just that feeling of anxiety. I'm just mad at it. And so I know it's the devil. I know Jesus wouldn't send that. In the name of Jesus, go back to hell where you came from. You're welcome. Anybody get that? How many needed that? Anybody need that online? You need that? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I want you to help you with this unstoppable message today. Unstoppable, unstoppable, say it, unstoppable. Unstoppable. And sometimes you're struggling on your own, get somebody else. You don't have enough friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not talking about the people that will commiserate with you. I'm talking about the individuals that will stand in the gap for you. People that will not just on Facebook say, praying for you, but individuals that will actually do that. That's why if I ever write praying for you, I stopped and prayed at that moment. That's how I do it. 
And we have to be willing to tell the devil he is a liar. Jesus. And I, and I tell you this, you know, this commission for these 70 guys that are going out, I'm saying, why didn't you put them through seminary first, Jesus? Why didn't you give them a booklet of the five steps to greater ministry and give them a consultant to travel with? You see, here, here's our struggle. I want you all to find your ministry. And I want, I want you to hear this. Your calling is not your hobby. Golf and video games are your hobbies. They won't get you to heaven. Do it. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. You need to chill. Look at me. We all need to chill. But we need to not let go of our offense. So your ministry cannot be your hobby. I love to do this because it makes me feel better. I want to tell you something. I don't always feel better. And I pastor all the time. Sometimes it's tough. I've had days where it was tough to just stand up here. I have. You say, really, Pastor? Yes. I had to kick the devil out to get up to the pulpit. I'm telling you, just difficult moments and struggle. I told you of times in my life when I struggled with anxiety and had to deal with my own heart wounds from, from my life, from my childhood, from church hurt, all of that stuff. I've, I've been open and honest with you. Can I tell you this? Ministry cannot be my hobby. It's what I get a well done for one day. Trust me. When Tiger Woods stands before Jesus one day, he's not going to say, Tiger, you have played some really good golf. Come on into my kingdom. But some of us look at our ministry like that. No, this is who we are. Somebody says, what do you do for a living? I serve Jesus for a living. I cast out darkness for a living. I kick the enemy out for a living. No, what do you do for money? Well, the Lord provides that with this vocation that I have on the side. <laughs> I am a mess today. So... These are not points. Just let me wrap this up. Three things to do in order to be unstoppable. One, be free. Be free. First, I don't have time to tell this story, 1 Kings 18, but Elijah is up on the mountain fighting with the prophets of Baal. He's not fighting with them. He's just saying, the God who answers by fire, let him be God. He shouts at all these people because here's what they've done. Ahab, Jezebel, have decided to merge their religions so that you can be a Baal worshiper or you can be a worshiper of the one true and living God and we'll just do it all together. That's what they had decided. It happens. Listen, I'm going to tell you again. If there are young people, listen to me. Don't you date somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus. Don't go out with them. Don't look, look. But they're really pretty and they might get saved. Let them... Like I told one young man in the front yard who wanted to date my daughter one day. Son, you haven't known Jesus long enough to be near my daughter. I told him that. And told my daughter she was not allowed to date him. And that was it. I love telling that story. She's probably listening right now. I said, Daddy, don't tell that story again. But it's my story. I'm a savage dad. But I'm sure today she's really grateful with a wonderful husband that she's married to and the way that God has touched her in her life. And I believe that young man is serving and knowing the Lord Jesus as well. If he's watching me online, he may email me, but I was right. I'm saying this to you because you can't serve God and man, right? You can't. You can't do it. It's Matthew 6, 24. You can't worship two gods at one time. You, gotta have, you have to be focused. So that means you have to be free. How do I know if I'm serving another God? What are the things that you can't let go of for Jesus? What are those things? You might say, well, I, you know, I sin on occasion. No, you, you sin with regularity. 
Because those are the things that give you hope. Does that make sense, Chris? Am I okay right here? Those are the things that you worship, that make you feel better, that make your pain. You've decided if you can just be stuck in pornography, then it's amazing how much better you feel. Because that has become your drug of choice. You see? But it's not just that. I mean, there's so much. I'm not just going to, Pastor, you're just being mean. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, don't be in bondage. Serve God and serve him only and obey his word. And anything that he speaks to your spirit shows you in your word. Just say, that's it. Serve him. Sacrifice everything else. Burn, destroy, stomp out every false god and serve him. Be free. Get free. Stay free. Follow Jesus. Be set free from all sins. The sins that have entangled you. Don't let them stop you. You say, well, I'm struggling being offensive. It's probably because you can't move forward and move backward at the same time. These are tricks of the enemy to keep you from fulfilling your destiny. How many have been there and know what I'm talking about? And then be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm done. I'm done preaching. I am. Be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Say it. Be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Say it. Be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people made a few words and said they were saved. I, Jesus wants you saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants you saved. That's the word of God in Acts 2. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receive. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's not something you just have to beg all night for. I'm ready to receive Holy Spirit. So are you ready? How many believers do we have in this room? Is everybody? If you're not a believer, just come with me right now. Say it with me right now. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. I love you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again in my heart. I know that you rose again. I surrender my life to you. My life belongs to you. I give up my life to you, Jesus. Is this good? Anybody? Say, is this a secret prayer? No, it's just following God's word. Confess Jesus as your Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. He said, repent, every one of you, and be baptized. Repent, repent, repent. Repent is a change of direction. Going this way. So I want to be powerful and unstoppable. Okay, then repent. Some people don't even like the word repent. You're really going to dislike the New Testament. You really have a hard time with it. The word's like all over it. Repent. It sounds so bad. It's so sweet. Repentance is so beautiful and so sweet. It tastes so good. Has anybody ever confessed your sin? Anybody confessed your sin? Anybody ever confessed? You want to feel better, confess. And don't just tell Jesus. Tell somebody else. So I don't want to tell other people. Just skip that part in the Bible. Confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to each other. Confess. Find somebody that you trust and say, this is where I've been. Because when you confess it, the shame goes away. And the shame is what keeps you in it because you can't live in secrecy all your life. You can't. Talk to somebody. Somebody you trust. Pray. Repent. Let Jesus come. But then receive Holy Spirit. Just hold your hands out right now. Hold your hands out because I am not playing with you right now. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you might say, Pastor, I don't know if this is true, what you're about to do. It is, but your doubt is might cause you to get left out here, okay? So I want you to believe that the Holy Spirit is my gift. Thank you, Jesus. Say it. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I'm praying for you now in the name of Jesus that you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just take a deep breath right now, right where you're sitting, and say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to stop feeling like you're walking alone. That unstoppableness is going to come on the inside of you so that you will not give up. You will not quit. You will not. You will share the gospel. You will reap the harvest. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to name people that have come to Jesus because of you. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. It's power, Jesus said. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, in that same posture, would you stand with me now? 
How many have felt like you've run into a brick wall? Anybody have felt like that as of late? Just boom, just brick walls. Okay? In the name of Jesus, I come against that. Watch it open up in Jesus' name. Now, I'm enjoying myself right now. I kind of feel like I have some authority and power. Anybody else feeling that way? I feel like I have some authority and power. How many have experienced God do some miracles recently? Anybody seen people said it wouldn't happen, but it happened? Wave at me. Wave at me. They'll tell you these stories. You know. I could tell you story after story after story. I want you to be free. I want you to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. I want all of you to be unstoppable. This is the rock I will build my church on. Which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that even the gates of hell will not be able to keep it out. Jesus. Even the very gates of hell will not be able to keep it out. Go ahead. Look at whatever you need to look at right now in the spirit. Look at it. Look at it. Look at your own hands. There are keys in your hands. Thank him, Lord. Thank you for the keys. Father, we choose to follow you with our whole heart. We choose, Father, to be filled with your spirit and to be a church of power in the name of Jesus. I don't want to stop for a minute. Would you all just open up your mouths and let's lift up our hand like an army right now. Lift up your hands like an army and let's begin to shout praise and glory to the Lord. Come on, let's do it. Come on, let's shout some praise. Praise him. Everybody in the house. Praise Him for His Spirit. Praise Him for His power. Any Spirit-filled people in the room that would shout, praise you for your Spirit in my life. In advance, I want you to praise Him for victory. Praise Him. Thank you, Father. Come on, we praise you, Lord. We honor you. Glory and honor and praise. Be to your name, Jesus. We're not defeated. We are victorious. In fact, we are unstoppable. We are the church of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. See your family saved. See your home saved. See, see your marriage reconciled. Come on, see it. Somebody shout, I see it. Shout it, I see it. I see it. Shout it, I see it. I'm not trying to just whip you up into some frenzy. I'm trying to stir up what's already inside of you that we have allowed to remain dormant during a season of struggle. I am who God says I am. I will not be defeated. Hallelujah. I feel a hallelujah rising up in the room. Somebody, come on. I feel it from the back of the house. I feel it from, I feel Holy Ghost in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. Freshly, freshly flow across your people. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Unstoppable church. Unstoppable church. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Something I learned. Some of you feel this and some of you don't. Don't feel bad for the feeling. We don't have to worship this way because of a feeling. We worship because what we know. If you're waiting on your emotions to kick in so that you can experience victory, don't let your emotions run the train. Let truth run the train. What do you believe? Even when it don't work the way I want it to work, I still believe that God will provide manna for me in the wilderness. And he'll get me across this river. Somebody shout, yes. Well, I haven't seen it, Pastor. 
Watch what He will restore. The miracles that He will perform. Praise Jesus. Jesus. We just had spiritual communion. You ready to receive communion with me now? Open your bread and your cup. Hold it in your hand. We're not alone. Say it. I'm not alone. Just say I'm not alone. We're not alone. We're not defeated. Freedom Fellowship. It's also called Unstoppable Church. You know how irritated the enemy is that we didn't get stopped. (laughs) We have new families at the church who have joined since the pandemic started. I got people who are wanting to join the church right now or stopping me. I'm saying, you're in. And we'll work on the rest later. You know, I, I don't have time for all the polity at the moment. I wanna, I'm too busy. Are you with me? Being victorious. I want to tell you this. Your presence this morning online and your presence in the house has encouraged me. I needed to see your faces today. But I also want to see your ministry rise up. And see what you can do for the kingdom of God. It's exciting, isn't it? How many would like to know by this time next year, a hundred people that you had led to the Lord Jesus? Well, the harvest is ripe and ready for harvest. It's ready. And Jesus is with you. Take the bread. He gave the bread to you and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Take and eat it. And the cup, my blood poured out for you, the blood of the new covenant, my blood, powerful, healing, forgiving, blood of Jesus, we receive in the name of Christ. Praise the Lord. Let's give him thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the communion. Could we pray? Could we have... I want some altar workers. If I've got some altar workers here, I think one or two or five or something. Come and just stand up here. They'll put their masks on. If you need prayer, I'll have some, I have some, yeah, I got some brothers that are coming up to lead you and to pray for you, some sisters. If you need prayer, they will meet you up front. Just put a mask on so that you can come. Not a spiritual mask, just one of those others that you're supposed to wear. All right. And they will pray with you, talk with you, counsel. I mentioned confession. Some of you could use somebody right now to talk to. Some confession. All right? Some conversation. I want to speak this to you. Also, if you are under the bondage of fear, come up and let somebody pray for you today. We'll break that. Amen? If you are being controlled by a spirit of death, we'll pray for you and break that. If you need healing, if you're struggling in your home or family, whatever it might be, we have people that will... Pray for you. You can see Sherman and Cynthia over here. They're also our leaders of soul care and great counselors. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Father, I bless this congregation with your peace and your presence. When we leave in here, we leave different than we came in Jesus' name.